Uh, we are going to read the Bible now, so can I get you guys to open up your Bibles, please? We started a two-week series on lament last week, uh, and Pastor Paul uh, shared the tea cat of lament. I heard tea cat a lot this week. Um, but yeah, and, and Pastor Daniel will be wrapping up our series in lament um, for us. We're going to go to the book of Lamentations uh, very appropriately. We're going to have two, uh, there are two passages today, both in Lamentations. The first is Lamentations chapter 1. Verse 1 to 2. So if you guys want to turn to Lamentations chapter 1. Verse 1 to 2. Verse 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She, she who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks among all her lovers. She has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. And we're going to move to uh, Lamentation chapter 3. Verse 22 to 24. Lamentations 3 verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says, the, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen. Amen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to church, or rather logging into Zoom church. Um, hopefully, like Peter was saying, everyone's uh, struggling forward and uh, seeing the light in, I guess, the the struggling season that we're in. Um, hopefully, uh, you guys are all running hard and fast with the Lord as well. So, um, so it was funny, um, like Paul was saying, um, uh, I, I kind of thought about uh, preaching uh, through uh, the idea of lament, uh, especially in regards because of the situation that we're currently facing. Uh, but I did also th think to myself, um, to be honest, I, I've had quite a good life and I, I'd imagine that that many of you guys um, are in the same boat. And when we read and and uh, encounter, you know, songs of lament or prayers of lament or situations where lament is necessary in the scriptures, uh, we find it a little bit difficult uh, to relate. Um, and I find it really, I find myself really ill-equipped to preach on this because, um, yeah, sure, I, I know a little bit about the Bible, but but I, I can't speak through uh, personal experience at all. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray um, for some help from God. Um, hopefully, you guys can uh, join me in praying for me as I as I uh, ask God for some help because I really do need it. Um, let me pray. Uh, gracious uh, and uh, most merciful Father in heaven. Uh, we give you thanks that your word uh, gives us life. Uh, we give you thanks that you are a God who is near to us. Uh, I pray that in this moment, for the next uh, half an hour or so, speak to us through me. Uh, though I might be ill-equipped to uh, touch on this topic, uh, we know that you are a God who is most acquainted uh, with grief and with sorrow uh, because of the Lord Jesus uh, so, Lord, may you speak uh, through uh, me and through your word uh, this morning. Uh, what we know not, Lord, may you teach us. Uh, what we feel not, Lord, would you stir within us. 
and what we are not, would you make us? Amen. Um, it's often said uh, that uh, modern day uh, evangelical Christians, so uh, Bible believing Christians, especially uh, Western evangelicals like you and me who live in the West, are terrible at feeling things uh, with our faith. Uh, we're, we're pretty good with um, our heads. Uh, we like to know the scriptures. Uh, we want to say the right things in prayer. Uh, we love, you know, well-communicated, biblically faithful sermons. But the critics say uh, we aren't too great at emotionally engaging uh, with our faith, whether it's in the songs we sing uh, during uh, service, whether it's in the sermons that we listen to, um, whether it's online or whether it's in a physical space. And don't hear me wrong, I, I think it is a good thing uh, to know the right stuff. We want to properly understand God and appreciate biblically faithful sermons um, and so on. And we shouldn't be afraid to keep pressing into that. But in terms of our feelings, I definitely think that we could work on it a little bit. Um, I, I agree uh, to an extent with the critics. Uh, we do struggle to engage our faith with our emotions, um, not only the positive ones, but also the negative ones. You might have disagreed uh, with me a little bit up to that point. You might think, hang on, I, I am pretty emotionally engaged when I worship God. Uh, I feel things. I feel things when, I, when it comes to my faith. But, but maybe you found yourself agreeing with me just a little bit at the end when I said, especially the negative ones. You see, the question here is, and you might be asking me, Daniel, do I really need to uh, engage my negative emotions at church, in my faith, in my relationship with God? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a negative thing, and God is positive. So, so why do I need to uh, engage my negative emotions? So, something about that just doesn't sit right with us. Well, if you look at the scriptures, you have to answer with a yes, because the Bible is filled with folks expressing their negative emotions to God. I mean, Paul said last week that about a third of the Psalms are, are lament Psalms. In other words, Psalms that are filled with negative emotions directed at God and are about God. I would actually take it a little bit further and argue that in a sense, you could look at the entire story of scripture and about a third of it I think, describes people in negative situations. It describes people expressing uh, their negative emotions to God. And, and even if you don't see that, surely it's clear. When you read the Bible, you'll find that the Bible is not a story of happy events full of perfectly happy people. If this is the case, and the Bible isn't a story of happy events full of perfectly happy people, quite the opposite, in fact, what can we make of this? You and I believe, if you are a Christian, that scripture, all of it, not just the happy parts, but all of it is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, among other things. So, so, so what can we learn from the not so happy parts of scripture? Well, since we're already on the negative train, let me put it on the, in the negative. Uh, what are we missing out on if we ignore the not so happy parts? of scripture. I thought it was uh, 
appropriate to look at a, a book of the Bible that that kind of sums this up. I mean, we have a book in the Bible literally called Lamentations. The book of Lamentations is a book with five chapters, uh, each chapter having 22 verses, with the exception of chapter three, uh, which has 66 verses. And I did I did some maths here. Uh, so uh, adding that all up, there are 154 verses in the entire book, and only 10 can be called positive verses. And the rest of the book is all about the negative emotions. Uh, one scholar of the book of Lamentations says that this book is one of, if not the least preached books of scripture today. And again, I think this is a reflection of our focus these days of a more positive, uplifting brand of Christianity. And I'm not saying that Christianity shouldn't have its positive vibes and uplifting tone. There is definitely uh, that. But, but if we have an entire book literally called Lamentations, or if you are a Jewish person and you read the book of Lamentations in its original Hebrew, it's actually entitled, How? How? How is this possible? How long, O oh Lord? That, that is the title of this book. Literally named after the question we ask God when life takes a turn for the worst. What, what, what can we learn from it? What, what are we missing out on in our faith if, if we choose not to learn from it? We've got two lessons here today. Two points. Um, number one, lamenting teaches us the truth of tragedy. So if you're a note taker, uh, pop that on your notes. And, and number two, uh, lamenting teaches us the truth from tragedy. The truth of tragedy and the truth from tragedy. So we're going to uh, begin uh, this uh, first point at the beginning. Uh, we're looking at verses 1 to 2 of chapter 1 of the book of Lamentations. Let me read it out for us again. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who, has, she who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. So obviously this is a form, it's a metaphor. Uh, it's, it's poetry. But let me kind of uh, shortcut our way to giving us a picture of what's happening here. She is Jerusalem. It's the city of God. It's the center of God's faith, people. And God's people at this moment have been wiped out. The remaining survivors, and there's only a few of them, are shipped off to slavery. The author of this book is one of a few of these survivors. And he is standing amongst the ruins with bodies littered across the streets. The temple is burning. The temple is crumbling. There's no help coming. And in that moment, he thinks God's people have surely come to an end. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff. But even then, you might be thinking, how is this relevant to me? It's not so much what's happening here, but what is uh, felt by this person. So let me try my best to get us to feel even a little bit of what this person is feeling uh, in this context. Imagine if the house you live in right now that you're in right now is completely destroyed in an instant. 
Imagine if all the money that you have in your bank account is stolen. Imagine if you were laid off from work and there is no other place willing to hire you. Imagine if your friends, your family either died or want nothing to do with you. Imagine if you were diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And then imagine if all of this happens at the same time. That is what's happening here, at least in the heart of this person. You see, when you read this story, you have to realize that the story of scripture is not a perpetually happy, feel good kind of tone. It is filled with tragedy, tragedies like this one. And we have to ask ourselves in this moment, what does this person do? Does he shrug it off and say to himself, it's going to be okay. Does he deny his circumstance and say to himself, eh, God is good. No, he calls the situation for what it really is. It's broken. Us Western Christians, especially Christians who live in Australia, one of the safest and most prosperous countries in the world, in the safest, most prosperous time in human history, we read stories like this and we don't know what to do with these kinds of passages. When we're confronted with it, we conveniently skip it over um, in our Bible reading maybe, or if, if at most you look at it and you quickly glance off its pages without much of thought to what is really happening. And I think that is precisely the problem. When our personal world, our individual world, seems to be relatively okay. When our issues of faith are made up of things like, I struggle to pray and read the Bible. It's no wonder that we aren't sure of what to make of stuff like this in the scriptures. See, what these verses and the rest of Lamentations and Lament in the, in the Bible as a whole invites us to do is to show us comfortable Christians living in the 21st century in Australia a glimpse of a broken world full of broken situations and circumstances because the reality is we live in a world out of our control that is not okay. And our lives, no matter how much we might have inoculated ourselves with prosperity and with happiness, we're not exempt from the sadness of living in a world full of sin. The reason why the Bible is full of lament and full of sorrow is because it's a true story. Not only that, it is our story. A lamenting Christian is an honest Christian. Lament calls us to face the world as it is, not what we imagine it to be in our prosperity, rather than pretending that it's all good. And, you know, brothers and sisters, lamenting is especially valuable for Christians. 
like you and me, living in the West, living in prosperity, because our lives, like I've said 10 times over, it's so good most times. And because of that, we forget that the whole reason Jesus came into the world, the whole reason why God invites us to himself is because we and the world we live in are broken. If we ignore the moments in life when times get rough and tough or worse, we, we fail to see our faith play out in the midst of it. We miss the crucial reason that led us to being Christians in the first place. Why did you become a Christian? Why did we become Christians? Because we recognized that we are sinful, living in a sinful world, that there is brokenness in life. There is disappointment. There is unexpected tragedy and difficulty. We are not in control of our lives. And that is precisely why we are people of faith. You see, if we do not acknowledge the world as it is, broken and damaged, good, good things about it, yes, but still broken and damaged. If we do not acknowledge our lives for what it is, full of moments when things don't go the way we expect, the moments when we are betrayed by our friends, the moments when we or our loved ones get sick or when our plans don't come to pass. Why do we even need a savior if we don't acknowledge these things? I mean, why do we even need God? The very basis of our faith banks on the world not being as it should be. When we lament, we are feeling this frustration deep in our bones. And this, there is nothing wrong, even in the slightest, to feel these negative emotions as Christians. In fact, it is a large part of what it means to be a Christian. Lamenting in the midst of difficult times forces us to see the brokenness of the world. And what is comforting to me, at least, and I hope it's comforting to you, is that the scriptures, God's holy revealed word, does not make a trite statement about it, or worse, deny that it is the case. These words we read in Lamentations chapter 1, the lamenting words of this person, expressing his deepest pain and sorrow for what happened to his people. As I read these words, it gives me permission and, and even a sense of confidence that I can as well. You know, if, if God's holy, inspired, true word contained stories of loss and expressions of disappointment and grief, then surely this also means that God knows my story of loss. He understands my expressions of disappointment, that it hasn't surprised him one bit, that whatever has happened in my life has happened. Whatever I feel in my heart is, is, is what is real. You know, the same holy and inspired true word gives me permission to pour out my pain and my hurt onto him when the time comes. Lament teaches us the truth of tragedy, 
not just that tragedy is true in life, but faith, our faith, has room for it too. For, for those of you here, and I know that there are a few among us who know what it means to be in the midst of tragedy, I, I hope that this is a word of comfort to you as believers of the Lord Jesus, as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you that there is room for your faith in the midst of your struggle. Now, I know for most of us, though, this might seem hard to apply especially when, as I said before, life isn't all that bad. And because life isn't all that bad, when things happen in life, we so often are tempted to shrug it off and say, it's going to be okay. But here's the truth. I'm sure that even in our little bubble, in our bubble of prosperity, uh, there will come a time when unexpected things happen to us. My job here is to tell you that if you live long enough, hardships will come to you. Don Carson says it really bluntly. He says, if you live long enough, you will suffer. And the only alternative to not suffering is not living long enough. Very blunt, but I, I, yeah, you hear the point. And because of that truth, I want us to be well equipped and well prepared to enter that space when that time comes. To not enter it with ignorance, thinking that there is something wrong with our faith because such and such a thing is happening. To not enter it with arrogance, to think that there is something wrong with God because such and such a thing is happening. But, but to enter it with our faith in hand, knowing that even in the darkest depths of our moments of pain, even there, our God is there with us. Lament teaches us the truth of tragedy. The fact that it exists in the world we live in and that it exists in the faith we live by. That's our first point. Let's, let's move on to our second and final lesson. Uh, chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. If you follow any um, uh, kind of like a, a, a Bible verse Instagram page, um, I do too, um, I can bet uh, my life that the backdrop, if, if you've been encountered with these verses, um, you know how sometimes people slap on a Bible verse and then there's a background? Um, I bet you that the background of these verses uh, would be something along the lines of sort of like a like a beautiful sunrise, you know, the ocean, you know, the sunrise kind of kind of popping up, um, or it could be like a like a majestic mountaintop. It's like oh goodness, yes, the steadfast love of the Lord, right? Or or or, or maybe I I found a really really good one. Um, it was this verse with a lake, uh, with a cute little cottage in the middle of an island in the lake, and I'm like oh I wish I could holiday there sometime. Um, See, see, th these images uh, reflect peace and silence. It's like a, it's like a reflective, meditative. It's like a feel-good kind of space, right? That that you're reminded of as you as you are encountered with these uh, sort of Bible verse um, images. And I'm guessing if you read these uh, read these verses um, 
out of context, um, that's the way you might feel as well. But that's not the actual background of these verses. And you'll know what I mean if you read through the rest of Lamentations. I mean, the description I explained in my first point, that's only two verses. I encourage you to read all of Lamentation. Um, be prepared, though, because it's pretty graphic. And yeah, if you have kids, don't let them read it, maybe when they're older, because it's graphic. Um, there, are, there are images of, I'm sorry, I apologize, this is the scriptures here. There are images of mothers eating their babies from hunger. It's, it's that kind of image that you read about in the book of Lamentations. Sorry, Micah, I apologize, you shouldn't be here. Um, anyways, um, it's against uh, this backdrop of, of horror, of deep darkness, that the author says these words. And so we can't skip over this fact too quickly, because it is in that, uh, in that space that our lesson is here for us. You see, we, we, where do you find these words? Where do you find these beautiful words? It's smack bang in the middle of the book of Lamentations, isn't it? In other words, these words are smack bang in the middle of the lament. And, and uh, let me just say that the book of Lamentations isn't a narrative. It's, it's not a linear story. It's not a story with an introduction, complication, resolution, and conclusion, right? It, it's, it's a poem. It's a rich expression of someone's deepest pains expressed through poetry. And the fact that these words are right in the middle of the poem signals to us that these are the most important verses we need to pay attention to. See, if our faith leaves room for the existence of tragedy in our lives, then what does our faith teach us when tragedy happens? We experience what we know the truth of God from tragedy. See, you might have thought to yourself, as I was explaining the, the kind of surrounding kind of uh, context and the, the events of this verse, of these verses, you might be thinking to yourself, how can this person th say these things about God? Everything about his life is in shambles. I mean, he has nothing left, his home, his friends, his people, it's all gone. How can he say then that God's love never ceases? How can he say that God's mercies never end? How dare he say God is faithful? Well, because after all this, he says, the Lord is my, what? Portion. The Lord is mine. He is mine. I have him. I've lost everything. Home, friends, family, money, everything. But I have God. At the center of his lamentation, at the center of his grief, pain and sorrow, this man learns that he still has God. Therefore, he puts his hope in him. Let me flesh this out a little bit. Sometimes, even the most faithful of Christians tend to base their quality of life, right, the quality of their life, 
as the equal measure to their quality of faith. See, when we are doing well in life, we tend to find it easy to worship and engage our faith. When we are healthy and wealthy, we think implicitly that our faith is doing okay. But there is a difference between the comfortable person who has very little care in the world saying, the Lord is my portion, and the poor, sick, depressed, weary person crying out in the midst of his pain or even whispering this, the Lord is still my portion. And I'm not saying that if we are comfortable that we cannot and we should not say these three verses. I still think we can. But what I am saying is that there is a specialness in lament, surrounded by our complaints to God, surrounded by our cries of how long, O Lord, how is this happening? Can these words have a completely different effect? A completely different level of honesty by, by us saying these words. The, the, the unfailing love, the never-ending mercy, the faithfulness of God. Let me, let me say it like this. For when can we really understand that God's love never fails? Well, when the love of all other earthly things fail us. When can we experience the mercy of God being new every morning? When, well, when every morning we wake up, we desperately need it because every morning when we wake up, we feel the pain of being in this broken world. How, when can we trust in God's faithfulness? Well, when only God is the one capable of getting us out of the mess we're in. And when can we honestly say that God is enough when all other things seem to be taken away? Lament teaches us truth. Truth that we know, truth that we knew before we lament, before the storm. But nevertheless, in a, in a way that it becomes clearer to us than ever before. I think the, the most striking words that, that illustrate this is from Job. Job 42.5, he says this, and if you know the story of Job, you'll know what I'm saying. But at the end of his story, he says this. He says, my ears had heard of you, Lord, but now my eyes have seen you. It's not that he didn't know of God's character beforehand, but he, he knows of God's character after uh, and in the midst of his suffering in a way that he just couldn't have known before. And again, as I shared before in the beginning, I can't share from personal experience about how this operates and plays out. But I think um, preparing this talk, um, I found uh, a story about uh, a songwriter who, who went through um, this, this uh, deep biblical call to lament. Um, and through that lament, she, she wrote a song. And it's a song by a woman named uh, Laura Story, and it's appropriately named Blessings. Um, let me share a little bit uh, from the lyrics of this song. Verse one, it goes like this. 
We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, and protection while we sleep. We pray for healing and for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. And the chorus goes like this. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? And the song finishes with this. What if my greatest disappointments or the achings of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, even the hardest of nights are your mercies in disguise? God loves us too much to let even the comforts of life get in the way of teaching us the truth. The truth that he is the only one that satisfies us. The truth that we were made for him and our lives finds its fullest, truest joy in him and nothing else. And it is in the space of deep lament that we see the fullest depths of God. And there we find his, we find this precious truth, that he is enough. If and when you are faced with the dark clouds that life sometimes bring us, don't miss that chance to learn. Or as John Piper would say, don't waste it. See, there are lessons in faith and just in life in general that you can only learn through pain. Yes, lamenting is good for our emotional health. It is good for our emotional processing and healing. But lament is so much more than that. It is grace and it is a mercy that God provides us. This so-called valley can be one of the most important seasons for learning in our lives. Pain is an uncomfortable but incredibly helpful teacher. Let me end, uh, let me end this uh, mini-series uh, by saying this. After having said all of this, Please hear this. Lament is not a mathematical formula. It's not a quick fix solution out of a bad and terrible circumstance. Please don't hear us wrong in that. Even TCAP, helpful acronym, but it's not a step-by-step -step guide to emotionally processing our negative emotions as if ticking these steps off one by one magically leads us out of our darkness. Did you try it this week? Are you out of that darkness? It's not as simple as that. 
And knowing and even learning these two lessons from lament doesn't mean our pain automatically goes away. It's funny, you might have noticed that throughout the two sermons, uh, both I and Paul kept talking about this word lament, 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 lament. It's not a word that we use in our normal vocabulary, but did you realize that we didn't actually give you a proper definition of what lament is? Uh, so sorry about that. Let me give it to you now. Uh, so if you're a note taker, please note this down. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart, wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Lament is an honest cry of a hurting heart. In other words, it takes the world as it is, with pain and sorrow when it comes. And when it comes, lament cries out honestly with an honestly hurting heart. But lament is also a clinging to the promise of God's goodness, even as we wrestle with the pain. It's not a quick fix. It's a constant fight. It's not a quick fix. It's a constant fight. A fight which might take weeks, months, years, and sometimes, for a few of us, even a lifetime. And a lamenting Christian, even as he or she feels the pain from time to time and endures the deepest of sorrows, has a God who knows, who understands, who also feels the pain we feel, who is beside us every step of the way as we endure those deep sorrows, even as he knows the exact good reason for our darkest of nights, he still sits with us as we sit in it. He is not like that bad friend who tells us all the biblical truths um, right next to us when we're hurting and suffering. He's not like that. He is a God who sits with us in the pain. And if you find it hard to believe in this brother or sister, when you, hard, when you find it hard to trust in this, consider Jesus. Jesus who was despised. He was rejected. He is literally called a man of sorrows. He was acquainted deeply with grief. Who has suffered, who was tempted, who lived our pain first hand who knows what it feels like to live in a broken world, who has experienced the pain of betrayal, hardship, poverty, abandonment. Consider Jesus. I think for too long, we've looked at our faith in the wrong way. We tend to think that we are doing well in our faith when life is good, when family is great, when work is fun, when church is good, but I hope you can see that it is not necessarily when life is good that faith is good. It's sometimes when life takes the wrong turn, a turn for the worst, that our faith is given an opportunity to go from good to great. It is in that moment we lament, and it is in that moment we watch God work in the sorrow. As C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. <laughs>